You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch at thepreppypodcast.com and follow at The Preppy Podcast on social media. I am so excited for today's episode per usual. Uh, This episode is with Jane of Jane Wynn Jewelry. And what's really fun about it is that I actually got to do it in person. Uh, She is based locally here in the Philadelphia suburbs as well. So it's always so much fun to connect with people um, in person instead. I feel like you can feel that energy. So this interview is great. We talk about her journey and her careers in the fashion industry. and how they got her ready for her jewelry business today. So I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, so first, why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you live, and what you do? My name is Jane Winchester Paradise, and I have a jewelry line called Jane Wynn Jewelry. It's coin jewelry and charms that have meaning behind each piece, and I live in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Awesome. And this podcast is actually live, which is so nice because you're local here. And I am wearing your uh, lucky necklace, which I got probably a year or two ago now, and I love it. It looks great with your <laughs> outfit. I, and you are having like a lucky time in your life. It's very appropriate. Yeah. And when I saw it, I grew up riding horses, so I just automatically was drawn to it. But before we dive in and talking about your jewelry business today, I want to start more towards the beginning. So tell me about growing up. Like, did you grow up in this area? Did you grow up somewhere else? Were you creative or into fashion? Like, what was your childhood like? So I have been kind of an East Coast nomad. Um, My family is from New England, Boston, Connecticut, but I was born in New Hampshire. But when I was two, we moved to Augusta, Georgia, and that is where I grew up. So grew up in the South, loved it, feel like Georgia is really my home. Um, And then, I'm not saying I was bad, but I was, quote unquote, sent to boarding school in eighth grade in Massachusetts. So I went kind of born in New England, down to the South, and then in eighth grade, which is pretty young, went back up north to Groton, Massachusetts, to the Groton School, which is a very fancy boarding school. Probably not the right match for me because I was hell on wheels, but spent five years there, eighth through twelfth, and then went immediately back to the sunshine and went to college at Rollins College in Florida. Loved it. Loved, loved, loved Winter Park, Florida, which is such a cute town. Met so many wonderful people that are still very good friends of mine. And then the second I graduated, I actually, I had, I was an art history major and I had done internships at Christie's, the auction house. And I really thought I would go into art or art history. Mm -hmm. I did tons of printmaking and have always drawn and painted. Like the arts have always been a big part of my life. And it's so funny because I did all these internships. I feel like my parents really prepped me. But all of a sudden at graduation, it was like lightning struck. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to go get a job. And so I went back up north, moved to New York City, 
And instead of going into art history, I got my first job at Adrian Vitadini, which is a well-known print knit fashion house. Adrian had been around for a very long time. Um, so I started there as basically a glorified secretary, somebody's assistant, and they were in production. So my first job, I learned how to make things huh? in the fashion industry. So they were making primarily knits, um, and it was in Peru and it was in Italy. So I worked on that every day and kind of corresponded back and forth with the factories on getting pieces made. Okay. And that was great, um, but I saw some girl reading magazines all the time, and I said, what did, what's her job? <laughs> and she was in public relations. Oh. So I said, well, well I want to be in public relations and throw parties and read magazines. So at that time, you went to a headhunter who helped you find your job. Okay. Um, so I went to a headhunter, and they found me a job. I interviewed at Calvin Klein Cosmetics. Um, so that was a license of okay. Calvin Klein. And I worked there in public relations as a coordinator under a fabulous woman, Jan Sharkansky, who went on to be CEO of Victoria's Secret and J. Crew. So great training there, great brand training. And I did that for a few years. And then um, I really became friends with a lot of editors then. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I was in PR. And my friend Sarah Brown, who was at Elle magazine at the time, called me one day and she said, they're hiring for PR in Barney's. I've told them you're coming. You know, go over right now. Yeah. Which I did. And that was so amazing because Barney's was in bankruptcy, but it kind of went in and out all the time. But... It was the best of the best in fashion. Mm -hmm. And so I got that job and did all of women's. Oh. I was obsessed with the jewelry, obsessed with beauty, really into the clothes, but jewelry was really kind of my favorite department. Um, and so I did that for a while. And one day I, I would present Barney's vision for the season to the editors. And, you know, this is so random but I carried an L.L. Bean bag tote to uh -huh. work every day that I had my monogram on and I think it cost $14 and a couple editors came in and they were carrying L.L. Bean tote bags and I just thought wow maybe I should make really fancy L.L. Bean tote like a new yeah. version and sell them at Barney's so I did and that was my first company okay it was called Buzz by Jane Fox I had a partner a friend from college we did it together and um, I had that business for about seven years, and I can tell you about starting that in New York City. It was wild. Yeah, how did you? Like, what were, so you had some of the ideas to create this bag, but then were you producing it in New York? Like, how did you make that a reality? I, so I am kind of like, I really get down into things mm -hmm. and figure it out. I had zero idea how to do it. But, I, and I'm sure many of you listening have, in New York City, in the fashion district, there's a giant needle and um, button. Yeah. And that was an information booth. I went in and I said, I need to find a factory in New York. And they printed me a list. Isn't that bizarre? I do not know what is in that building now. It would be hysterical oh to go back. So I had a list of all of these factories within New York City that would make accessories. Okay. And I started going door to door with my design in hand 
And everyone said no to me. I'm not sure why. But the, the reason why they said no is because I was carrying a bolt, a very heavy canvas. We know those L.L. Bean bags. Yeah. Are. So I really wanted it to have a lot of body to it mm-hmm. and for us to be able to embroider it. And so no one could work with the heavy canvas. And I finally found someone who was making gun holsters for the New York City Police Department. And he said, I can do it. And so we made our samples, and because of my connections at Barney's, and because of my friends being editors, we shipped to Barney's right away. We were in Elle magazine the month we launched, and that really kicked us off into, it was a wholesale-driven business, so kind of direct-to-consumer, unless you had a store, didn't really exist yet. Um, And I was doing trade shows, and for a very short time period I made things in New York but then the demand increased Mm -hmm. and I moved production to China oh wow and we ended up in about a hundred boutiques and department stores like Barney's and Bergdorf's and um, we were in the Neiman Marcus Christmas book which to me was like the biggest deal ever it was just a makeup bag but I thought that was amazing and I did that for about seven years and that was while I was getting married and having my kids. Okay. And at that time then, did you leave Barney's then when you had your hammock? So you had left and were doing yes. this full time then for a few yes. years. I think my fiance at the time, my first husband, had a heart attack when I came home and I said, I'm going to start a new business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell handbags. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but it really did catch early, mm-hmm. which w- it was very encouraging to kind of get the press notification, get the press right away. Yeah, It made me feel like we were making a lot of moves, even though I was such a novice. I didn't know how to make money. I did know how to market it. Okay. But I wasn't really as as trained on the bottom line. Okay, meaning that you were spending so much getting them to the stores and not maybe calculating in the shipping and the cost of supplies and figuring out, you know, the whole system of when to order and when to send and all of that. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay. That was one giant mess. Okay. So when did you decide to close this business then? And was that why? So I had, so let me see. I must have started it when I was around... 26 or 27. Wow. Yeah. So that's impressive. Yes. I mean, I, I always say, I mean, I was just kind of charging into things. (laughs) So, um, and then, you know, when I was 32 ish, I had had two kids in New York city. Um, I was feeling with my first husband that it might be time to get out of the city. Okay. And I got a call from Lily Pulitzer. And they said, hey, all of your bags are in our boutiques. They were running a signature store program then, so fabulous boutiques that carried Lily Pulitzer, among other brands. So they said, we want to launch accessories. Will you come launch accessories with us? Uh And honestly, the first interview, I had no intention of going. It just felt, I, I just, I don't know. But then I met the woman who would be my boss and then they made me an offer that I couldn't refuse and they moved my family from New York City mm-hmm. to the main line. Mm-hmm. We moved to Bryn Mawr, um, started my kids at Friends Central and it was absolutely, again, I kind of charged into it. There was the best decision I ever made. The people that 
run currently that company and ran it at the time, I have the utmost respect mm-hmm. for. And they really took me under their wing. Um, so I started as a senior designer of bags. Okay. Then added shoes and added jewelry. Um, and then little bit, a couple years, and then I became um, director of the print department. So again, back to my art history and art background, I just was in awe with their print and color. Yeah. I mean, how could, how could you yeah. not be? It's iconic. Um, and running that department and being a part of creating those prints was just about the most fun you can have. Oh, I'm sure. And I just had such a spark for it. I loved the people there and I loved the content and I loved the color. It just was 100% in. And then after doing that for a few years, there had been a vacancy in marketing for a number of years. And since I've always kind of gone back and forth between design and marketing, and I was 39. Okay. And I wanted to be a vice president by the time I was 40. Oh. So I went to the CEO and president, and I kind of pitched myself, like, please let me be the vice president of marketing. And I think they made me do a trial run. They really made me earn it. But then I switched. So I switched from print over to marketing and was their vice president and then senior vice president of marketing for a number of years until I started Jane Wynn. That's amazing. Wow. So... When you first went on then with Lily, did they tell you you had to close your handbag line to run that? Or were you just ready to and it kind of just happened? I was so ready. I mean, and I, this is so silly, but running your own business Mm -hmm. is, um, it's a lot of weight on your shoulders. And so there were a lot of sleepless nights. I only had one full-time employee, but I think especially it's different now direct to consumer that's how we've built jane Wynn. to me i feel like a lot more in control Mm -hmm. with wholesale i felt like there was a middleman between me and the customer and i didn't love that i wanted to be with her and like talking one-on-one with the customer so i think after the six or seven years of running that business i was tired yeah and i was really looking for a steady paycheck Mm -hmm. and health insurance Mm -hmm. and kind of more regularity. Okay. It was scary because I had a three and five year old and I didn't want to give up any time with them. Mm -hmm. When I had Buzz by Jane Fox, you know, I worked flexible hours Mm -hmm. and was able to be with them a lot. So I was very nervous about going to Lily and working full time, but it was absolutely, they, they made it so worth it for me. It was, I think a very mutually, great relationship definitely well it sounds like you know lily's grown so much i'm sure since the time you were there and even to now um but it sounds like you kind of had some ownership there which was nice like because you they were starting a whole new area new products which i'm sure that you know gave you a lot of confidence and uh, made it a little bit easier and fun yeah it was fun Mm -hmm. and the language of lily having known the woman and my language was very similar. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a spark, there's a love of color, mm-hmm. there's some irreverence, there's, you know, adoring fashion, but not being, like, overly consumed with names and status. And, yeah. you know, she was as true as they come. Um, and so the leadership there really understood what her what she was really like. And I think they saw that we had some similarities. Mm-hmm. So I got to... 
oh my gosh, when we launched the website, I would write the copy, so the description for every single new piece of product that oh came out, gosh. because so that the voice could kind of translate. Okay. That was laborious. Um, <laughs> But I did love it. You know, yeah. I loved kind of bringing that product, giving it her spirit, uh-huh. which it already had. The designers there were spectacular. Once you put the print on it, you know, everybody just lights up. So it was great for everybody. Definitely. And I also love, you know, you took a chance and you sort of followed your gut. And I think sometimes um, it's funny because I interviewed Carly from the College Prepster a few weeks ago, and she was talking about the difference between giving up um, because you feel outside forces telling you and the difference between quitting, like making the choice versus letting other people impact it. So it sounds like you made the choice that, you know, the handbags, they had done their thing and you were ready for the next chapter, which I I love that. And I think a lot of times people feel guilt in that, but there is a difference. Totally. And I think that things my dad always used to say, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to when you're having a hard time. And even when you're having a great time, like things just don't last forever. And I felt that with Buzz by Jane Fox, but then I also felt that at Lily. Yeah. I had, I was there for 12 years. Wow. They were spectacular. And there, and then it, towards the end, I was like, I'm ready for the next. Mm-hmm. And I think I was 45 when I left to start Jane Wynn Jewelry. Okay. And, you know, 45 is, I'm not saying I'm old. I do not feel old. I'm not old. 45 is not old. But to start something new, I I really felt like I had such a nice evolution at Lily. Uh And I learned so much there. It was like a puzzle piece after Buzz by Jane Fox Mm -hmm. um, that really, at Lily, they taught me about margins and about building a profitable business and you know, treating vendors with respect. Mm -hmm. You know, at Fuzz by Jane Fox, I was like praying to pay my bills on time. At Lily, you know, they just really did everything on the up and up. There were systems in place, which I'm sure you learned about, which so many of us entrepreneurs don't understand that at first. A hundred percent. And we were so involved in writing the business plan Mm -hmm. um, and the three-year plan. And so I just felt, you're right, I felt a lot of ownership there. Mm -hmm. And they treated everybody with such respect. So so after doing that for 12 years, I was so ready to take on the next. And it, you know, obviously I left that company, so it doesn't feel like I, it was a failure, like I closed. But sometimes you're right when people stop doing one thing and move on to the next. I don't know, is there guilt? I just felt like it was such a lovely evolution. Mm-hmm. And I think that change and moving on to the next is so important. I think I would have felt weird, honestly, if I stayed longer. Yeah. Like 12 years is a long time. Yeah, you were ready for something new. So yeah. now let's get to the jewelry. So when and why did you decide to start? Like, what was the inspiration? Oh, my gosh. Well, that's such a great question. So there were a few things. Okay. Um, I was feeling like I wanted to have my own thing again. I have always been obsessed with jewelry. Mm -hmm. And um, I also know the business behind jewelry after building at Lily. So I knew that kind of with a proper business plan, I could build a profitable Mm -hmm. business. And there were things about it that I loved. It's a treasured item. 
you can really tell a story and be very authentic Mm -hmm. and people connect with those pieces and want to wear them every day for the rest of their lives and then pass them on to their daughters you know there's that strong of a connection I knew that I wanted a direct-to-consumer business so so that means online Mm -hmm. is our biggest you know outlet to our consumer and digital marketing is like our largest marketing expense so we spend all of our time and energy building fabulous product to sell on our website and we market it through Facebook ads and social media Google all that fun stuff so I I knew that and then I also love that it's small so at Lilly their distribution center is attached to the offices and I really have emulated so much of what I learned there so our distribution center is here in our showroom we have all of the product here and after honestly having a handbag line where I had tennis racket covers and weekenders those were way too giant so I love (laughs) that jewelry was little I also wanted product that I could start by making in the United States and we still do make about half of our product here and we make half in other countries. Um, And the reason behind that was inventory control. The second you go overseas, depending on where, you probably have some higher minimums. Here in the United States, you can find places where you do not have those minimums. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited and proud to make jewelry and make things here. Yeah. Um, And then the last part was, so my youngest daughter, Tiki is now a senior in high school, which will make me cry. But at the time she was in eighth grade, or yeah, finishing eighth grade. And my older daughter was just a couple years older. And then I have three stepchildren. And I felt like at the time, this was four, well, five years ago when I was starting it, that I really wanted to show them that you could build something from scratch and be a real role model in mm-hmm. that space. I just felt like the world was very messy and yeah. there weren't great role models. And so I very consciously with my husband decided to to start the business and have the kids involved along the way. Oh, okay. And they have been like some of the displays are made by my stepson. Oh. They were all at the launch event. You know, they've really watched us build this and and have been a part of it. And so before I even started the business, I was blogging about starting it from from the product. Well, really starting with the business plan, I've got it all on our blog. And so I just thought, I have this knowledge now. Yes, I want to share it with my kids, but I want to share it with anyone who will listen. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was very transparent in every kind of step along the way. So... That's kind of a long version of all the reasons why I started with jewelry. No, but so then you had this idea. Um, you had a business plan. It sounds like you have everything that you need to back it up. Now, what was the next step? Like, were you using some of um, the resources that you've gathered along the way throughout your career to manufacture? Were you, I mean, now you can take up Google. Were you Googling some of that? Because now you don't have to go to that building in New York and get your printed out list. Right. Um, so talk to me, for anyone listening, you know, who's interested in starting their own business, um, I feel like that's the biggest question always is, what, how do you make an idea actually happen? Like some of the steps of that and some resources or ideas. Yeah. So our business plan is based kind of in three buckets, product, mm-hmm. distribution, mm-hmm. and marketing. 
So from a product perspective, I started creating by drawing these coins mm -hmm. and creating something that I felt like would truly connect with the customer. Okay. So you have to have a great product. Yeah. That it's, you just have to have something that people will adore. Yep. Um, and then in terms of like producing that product, I did, I pounded the pavement again. I found um, someone in Philadelphia on the jewelry row there, which okay. is the oldest jewelry row in the United States. Oh, I didn't know that. I went with my design in hand. Yeah. And, you know, they made our first samples. I then quickly moved to New York. I did have a lot of, like, friends mm -hmm. that I could ask. I had a friend who was, you know, working for Oscar de la Renta on their jewelry. I'm like, who do you use in New York when you need to get samples done? And so I did use my network, but I think you can also Google. And so I found someone in New York to make the pieces and creating the product from kind of inception the drawing to actually holding the physical piece was step one. Okay. Um, at the same time, we moved to that second pillar of distribution and really started mapping out how we were going to get this product to the customer. Okay. So my husband, Doug, who is fondly known as Mr. Jane Wynn, um, is in technology. So we use Shopify as our platform, okay. and he built our website. And we started kind of filling in everything that we needed to do there. And then the third pillar of marketing, we knew right away that we wanted to utilize social media and all digital advertising. Mm -hmm. So we started right away. So we had the samples. We worked with an agency to help gift them to some influencers. Yeah. And we started building our social media audience and doing very small digital advertising. Okay. So that really all happened at once. But it wasn't overwhelming because we had the plan. Okay. And that, I think, is so important. I kind of mentioned that earlier. Is I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we just rush into things. And it sounds like with your first business with the handbags, you kind there of did no that. Plan. And yeah. it helps to have a plan, right? <laughs> I just, so I would say creating your business plan yep. and writing down the core values of your business mm -hmm. are the two most important things you can do. And I'm not saying don't start if you haven't done mm -hmm. that, but it's so worth spending time on yeah for me it is the key to our success mm -hmm. to our success is having a plan that we believe in and and core values that we believe in yeah and you could even go back and do like if you didn't start totally. with them, then you can go don't back give and do up them. the shit yes, you can exactly. still do it yeah <laughs> um so now talking about marketing obviously your husband is excellent at this what would you say your greatest form of marketing has been? Has it been the influencers? Has it been, you know, the paid um, boosted posts on Facebook or Instagram? Or um, maybe you get a lot of orders from your emails. Like, what would you say in terms of marketing has been a good thing for you? So in terms of return on our investment, um, email is tied with Facebook ads. Okay. So we spend so much time building our email list. Yeah. So having a direct route to speak to our customers. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that you get our emails. I write, mm, I don't know, every other week or once a month, a diary entry yeah. that I feel like people have really connected with. We talk about new product. We talk about other brands that we adore. Mm -hmm. We have a, what we call a girl gang. Um, so email is very important to driving sales. And also engagement and a connection with the brand. Yeah. 
Um, and I just cannot emphasize enough anyone who's starting a brand, building your list, it really is, I mean, it's like a foundational piece for, for any business. Um, and then digital advertising through Facebook and Google, mm -hmm. you know, working on that marketing funnel of bringing people in and then kind of teaching them a little bit more, maybe stalking them a little bit, a bit around the internet until they, you know, land on your website and sign up for emails. And then you can kind of speak to them in multiple ways. We used an agency early. I do think it's hard to do on your own. Yeah. Um, so yes, building your social media presence on Facebook mm -hmm. and Instagram, boosting some posts and getting to know that space. Mm -hmm. But if you can allot some budget, you can spend 2000 or $3,000 and get your foot wet with a yeah. smaller, maybe one guy that can help you with the digital advertising. No, that's great advice. And I think, you know, especially these days, you have to be on those platforms. And email is so important because you own that, unlike the social media, right? Yes. And especially as we've seen the changes in the really in the last year mm -hmm. with privacy, it has made it so, so, so much harder mm -hmm. to capitalize on that digital advertising that the email list is more important. Yep. So now let's talk a little bit about how your jewelry business has changed since you started. So I know initially you launched with your coins, right? Yes. So what was the idea behind that? And then now you have so many other pieces. I mean, not only you have rings, but you have like gemstones. So talk to me about how it's grown and like what's different. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So we launched four years ago with eight coins. Okay. And I have always loved coin jewelry. Mm -hmm. I think it's classic. Yeah. Um, but I really also loved kind of in the 1900s, there were these nomadic travelers who would, you know, you can kind of picture it, the giant coin earrings. Mm -hmm. And at that time, people would literally take money and sew it on their clothes, mm -hmm. sew it into their clothes and use it for jewelry. And it was a way that they showed their wealth. And I really connected with that because to me, I'm just not a status. I'm not a fancy bag person I believe that your wealth is shown in your friends and your family mm -hmm. it's not your bank account it's your life experiences and so I created these coins to show and talk to those milestone moments that make you who you are okay so love is obvious forever is um, really about finding your way okay. and finding your way home Lucky is one yeah. of my favorites, and you know, honestly, it was the last one we added. I almost didn't have it because I didn't want people to say, "Oh, I hope I'm lucky." I wanted the the opposite of "I am so happy for the luck that I have had oh, and where I am." See, I think it as you create your own luck. That's totally, you say that all like, the yes. time. <laughs> you are in charge of your own destiny. Yes. Um, so we started with the eight coins and really, so they each come with a card with a word on it and that describes yeah. the meaning behind the piece. And I did those words first and then I designed the coin. So it was really oh, okay. all about the meaning and all about that connection oh, for that, yeah. that moment. Um, I always wear the peace coin. It's if you've lost someone or something important to you, it has a bird on it and that's in memory of my dad. Mm. So I just feel like, you know, they're very true, okay. authentic, um, these meanings behind the pieces. So, and, you know, really for the first year, we just concentrated on the coins, and people did 
the launch event was at Valley Forge Flowers. They were so good to me. And people immediately read the cards and knew exactly which coin was for them. Um, And the first year, I mean, I had a lot of hiccups on production. I just... I'll never forget, I did the launch party. I was so proud. I had the coins, and um, Doug and I flew to Miami. We were going to take pictures, and I jumped in the pool, and I was wearing my necklace, and it turned green. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, I panicked. And, um, you know, we had to figure out how to make things well. Okay. And that took some iterations. And once we got comfortable with those coins, I started to build charms within each of the words okay so within lucky we have a great wishbone we have some like coming out soon we have a little lucky rabbit that's so cute so and love we built on that collection because i'm obsessed with hearts i have hearts everywhere um so we have a million different carved hearts so we've really built each word into its own collection okay and some of that is plated sterling silver plated in 14 karat and some is 14 karat and some are gemstones the price point really ranges from 198 dollars to a thousand dollars okay that makes sense no i've loved seeing how it all evolves and now you explaining it it makes sense i didn't realize that you know it all started with the from coins the coin. and, the and when and you that, look yeah. around the showroom we'll take a peek you can see and when you shop online you can shop by word and then it shows you everything in that collection starting with the coin oh i love that so in terms of your business what are you really proud of or what has been something that was like a pinch me moment i know obviously everyone always wants to say their kids and stuff but the business aspect of it yes oh my gosh well we've had a lot along the way the one thing i will say is i get told no all the time and from the beginning i've been told no one million times and so i think what i'm most proud of is our resiliency i don't know the right resilience um you know this is a wild ride I adore the product. I love the people that I work with, and I feel so connected with our customers. So kind of despite everything going on in the world and whatever, Neiman Marcus canceling a trunk show, kind of the nose that you feel, the tough stuff, I am so proud of what we have built kind of while that was all going on. And I also feel like Another thing I'm very proud of is we do things our way. Um, I am not trying to fit into someone else's mold. Mm -hmm. I very much care what our customers think, but if a magazine doesn't like us, honestly, then we're not for them. And if you don't like what we do, that's okay too. I just, I like, you know, dancing to the beat of my own drum. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think being an individual and having pride in kind of our own creations and our own way of being. I never want to look like someone else. I don't want the product to be like, oh, could that be? Or that reminds me of, I just want someone to say, wow, that's unique. (laughs) Um, And I feel that way about our showroom and I feel that way about our product. I think everything is really well, I don't want to say branded because that seems very corporate, but yeah, it's all a nice reflection of itself. And you know, the, the space that you've created here and all the pieces and um, it's like a lifestyle, I guess, yes. is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's funny because it's just how we are. Yeah. You know, the gals and I from the showroom will get a new book and open it up and take product pictures with it and it all just kind of fits into who we are. Mm-hmm. This is such a silly thing, but our colors are dark green, like an olive green mm-hmm. and lavender 
And I feel like that is who we are. We have not a serious side, but a little bit of like a mystical witchy side with our dark <laughs> green. And then we have pure joy with our lavender. Like we are very happy, inclusive mm -hmm. brand. Um, but we do like kind of the irreverence and, and the darker side of things too. Yeah, I love that. Now, this is going to be a hard question, but which is your favorite piece? And it could be just right now. I'm sure it always is changing. I will say our my favorite piece is, the, is my piece coin. Okay. And I will tell you this story. I think anytime someone reads the meaning behind mm -hmm. this coin, so this is if you've lost someone or something important to you, um, they immediately like literally can't let go of the card yeah. and have to have it immediately. And there's a bird on this and I, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to turn the meaning into a coin mm -hmm. when I was writing the description. And I just thought about my dad and, and he loved birds. And a lot of people now have since said to me yeah. that there's something, and I didn't know that. So now people say, you know, I feel like my dad is in, or, you know, whatever person that they have lost is in a red robin or, yeah. or a dove or, and so it's funny to me that I didn't know that, but drew yeah. the, the bird. And then I will never forget the samples came in and we were shooting with my best friend soul as a model and Doug brought the sample in from New York just in time for the shoot. And my friend who's the photographer said, Jane, look outside. And there was a blue egret in my backyard uh -huh. just at that moment and I just thought gosh these things really do feel so connected yeah so I adore this piece it is our least popular piece oh, I'm, okay <laughs> so what's the most popular then so the most popular piece is <laughs> the funny. forever coin is another so especially it says forever find your way home to me mm -hmm. and a lot of moms get that for their daughters and the moments when kids are graduating and kids are going off to school and I am now one of those moms with like the about to be an empty nester they read that card and tears are falling Aww. down their face and they have to get they can't send their daughter away without, without them having this reminder of home so I adore that um, and then also I just love hearts mm -hmm. and I love people who love hearts. Like I know the whole <laughs> world doesn't love hearts. I'm okay with that, but we make so many, we make giant gold hearts. We make giant gold mother of pearl hearts. And so I just, I want there to be hearts on everything. So when people come in and they're like, really can't decide because <laughs> there are so many in this showroom, that gives me a lot of joy. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. So now since this is the Preppy Podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? Like, how would you describe it? Mm, God, that's a great question. <laughs> to me, it's tradition. Um, I definitely grew up in a very, what would be kind of considered kind of preppy mm -hmm. environment. But that, it, I guess sometimes it was a way of dress, but it was really more of um, multi-generational um, you know, cocktails before dinner and just certain activities, but it was again the whole family and that respect for tradition and family. Yeah, that is what draws me to it. Because I wouldn't say like that I dress in the most quote unquote preppy mm -hmm. way every day, but I do think my life reflects that kind of day to day of the tradition. I love that respect for family and tradition. I think that's mm -hmm. a great answer. 
So now for some little like short answer questions. I'll try. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What is something you would recommend someone read or watch in terms of business? Oh my gosh. So I'm a big podcast gal. Okay. Um, And so how I built this is especially during the pandemic. So our showroom closed and I was here by myself Mm -hmm. packing every order and I would listen to Guy Raz. Yes. And I just think that no matter the industry, you learn something and having other people talk about their own resilience Mm -hmm. is very helpful when you're trying to build something. Yeah. It's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to as well. He just has so many amazing people on there. And like you said, it's just something great as you're working. And And he has great questions. Yes. I mean, for sure. Now, where's your favorite place to travel to? Well, that's an easy one. So we go to Capri a lot. Okay. I know that sounds ridiculous and spoiled, <laughs> but ever since I was a kid, we went to the island of Capri in Italy. And now, I, we don't go every year, but every other year okay. at least. And it is very, it is a very special place for me. And now I've made it special for everyone else in our lives. And... So we were there in September, um, and I think because I don't feel like a tourist there, and I'm not there for 24 hours or just like a millisecond, and we spend a week, it, and we rent a house, Airbnb has made things so easy. I find so much inspiration there. Yeah. So Capri, book your flights. I know. That's on my honeymoon list. It's one of the ones that I'm like, I but we'll say. <laughs> well, we have a whole blog about our trip in okay, September, okay. so I'll so, share. Yes, for sure. Um, now, what's the last thing you've watched? Like, any fun, trendy shows or movies? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, we are watching right now Bad Vegan. Oh, have yeah. Have you heard I have, about it? I've Ever? heard about it, but I've not watched it. So we're two episodes in, and... It's just another one of those things where people are, like, duping each other and stealing each other's money. But the cool part about it is it um, takes pl- it's about a woman in New York City who had the restaurant Pure Food and Wine. Okay. That was two blocks from my apartment in New York City. Oh. So I, like, totally get, get the it. whole yeah. setting. And it was – it's about raw food. And then she gets in with the wrong person. Um, so that's kind of random, but it does seem to be those things are trending right now, those, yeah. like, true stories. Yeah. So that's what I'm watching. I'm not sure I'm the one that I would lean on for great advice <laughs> on. <laughs> on TV shows. Yes. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, what's your go-to drink? Well, right now I'm not drinking. Mm-hmm. So Fresca. Okay. Well, fresca or coffee, but yeah. fresca is my treat at night. I like that. That's fun. <laughs> um, now, what is next for you? That's What are you working on? Any sneak peeks? Anything like that that you can share with us? Yes. I mean, we have such a busy month coming up. So next week, end of next week, we head to Texas, mm-hmm. and we're doing a trunk show at a store called Market that's in Highland Park Village in Dallas. Okay. It is the coolest store on the planet. Um, So we'll be there for three days, one of which we're doing some stuff with our friends. Uh, They have a line called Laline, which I think your readers would love. Great sweaters, started by a couple of Vogue editors. It's very chic. Um, So we're doing that, and then we're hosting here the coolest line of dresses, Cara Cara New York. Yes. 
they're coming for a trunk show here in our showroom oh. and they've become friends of ours which is so fun uh-huh. best dresses i mean you you might need three or four yes. for this spring and summer and then we've done an exclusive collection with Kieran Isabet. Oh. And we're launching that on the 21st in their store here in Bryn Mawr, but it will be in all of their locations. Oh, my gosh. So marrying kind of our aesthetic with theirs. Mm-hmm. We've got, like, our classic love coin, but in red enamel, which is their color. Oh, yeah. So chic. So we'll be doing an event around that. And then I head to Charleston May 5th. We're having a giant rooftop cocktail party with Krogan's. Yes. Which is kind of, to me, the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of taste the oldest jewelry store in charleston the most wonderful family and we've been doing a lot with them we have a charleston coin so they're throwing a party for us so that's my next month which i mean i have i can't even digest how much that is but we've been working so hard to kind of have that lineup for spring leading Mm -hmm. into mother's day I love that. That's amazing. So my final question is, where can people find you? Let them know your website URL, social media handle, all of that so they can follow along, they can shop your amazing pieces. Yes, please, please come visit our website. It's janewin.com, J-A-N-E-W-I-N.com. And our Instagram is janewin underscore jewelry. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun and nice to meet in person. You're so good at this. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. Thank you.